You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York Brian. Scott. Brian, the CDC uh, just lifted restrictions, or they said that you no longer have to wear masks outdoors in uncrowded spaces. Okay. And that goes, I think that goes for the unvaccinated and the fully vaccinated. You just received your second shot, which congratulations. Very exciting. I have joined the ranks of the fully vaccinated. Yes. (laughs) So where does that leave you? Are you excited to not wear masks outdoors? Or are you still going to wear your mask outdoors? Uh, You know, uh, well, one, I'm like, I feel like I literally just got the shot. I feel like I'm sitting here waiting to like feel terrible. I'm like, when (laughs) do I feel terrible in 10 minutes or an hour or two hours, whatever? Um, you know, I'm one who this whole time has been fairly, um, you know, I think there's a lot of good faith people who are doing their best. And so as far as the guidance and shifting guidance, I think it's very tricky, you know, and what, how will people respond to the guidances you tell them? I have reached this place though, where I am very confused about what you're able to do when you're you know what i mean like go outside without my mask like is that the carrot is that the the cherry for getting my vaccination like you could already jog without a mask on like there was no reason when you were like walking your dog that you really needed to have a mask on like six months ago you know so like i am getting this place of like what like when do you get when are you going into a crowded bar? I don't know. I, I still don't have any idea. And why? And like what I also don't know is like, why am I not going into a crowded bar? Like, because if if it's to protect me, I'm going in. I've been I already pretty low risk. I'm a young person. Right. Like relatively healthy. Now I have a vaccine. So my risks are really low. So I feel comfortable. Like I would feel comfortable walking in to a crowded bar. But if you're telling me that the reason I'm not going to do it is because, look, we just want to suppress this as much as we can. And we were trying to, like, really get these levels down and just it's not quite the time to, like, return. You know what I mean? Just just as as a control the spread measure to protect others. Then I'm like, okay, I'll stay out of the crowded bar. Right. Or that's where I'm getting I'm getting confused where, where we are right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I I I agree first of all with cuz I think that was supposed to be the intent of the original lockdown, right? It was just everybody stay inside, don't let this thing spread, make it go away. We'll be okay. Or at least that was what sort of we were sold when we started this all back last March. And you're right. Now it's just it's a lot more uncertain and and again, right. As a fully vaccinated person, I'm happy to continue on with whatever it is until we, you know, if it's going to help knock it out but right i don't really know what helps and what doesn't but a big part of the problem is also uh, i mean there's so many it's just a big part of the problem is people can't handle it people just can't handle change being told what to do both like Yeah, yeah it's crazy because you know as you're talking the people i was thinking of that drive me the craziest are the oh they keep switching everything they're telling you 
it's like correct they keep getting more information right right new data like new they learning new things every day too like right. it's not it's not a straight line it's a very fluid situation yeah and like <laughs> you would think that would comfort people like oh they learn new stuff they make new recommendations but you have like this huge portion of people that are like new recommendations like, they don't know what they're doing it's yeah like, yeah i mean look it's super tricky like and also we've just never gotten the cases down to this pit place where you can like start to make reasonable decisions because like we're still like where we are now it's dropped tremendously but we're still above cases per day where we were in april when this all first started which when it felt like this unimaginable problem right we're at more cases per day than we were then and you know then we obviously in the fall and winter had this just on on you know ungodly spike where then that's when we got the bulk of these 600,000 deaths or whatever so i'm like totally fine to keep doing precautions as long as possible but i am just like there is a little part of me that's like wait what like now that you're vaccinated you can eat dinner outdoors without a mask on or something you know like go to a restaurant outdoors so it's like i was already going to restaurants outdoors <laughs> right. and i felt perfectly comfortable like the spread outdoors is pretty low you know so like yeah I, I want to go inside. Can I go in? When do I get to go inside the restaurant? That's like the information. And I don't know, because like the CDC, they're doing their best and they're going to be conservative. I don't blame them. You know, like the CDC would tell you at the July 4th barbecue that you should be cooking all the burgers medium well, because that's true. You know what I mean, like they, in fact, they recommend like not eating medium rare, like and everybody's just like, well, the hell with that. <laughs> I would not <laughs> attend that barbecue. I'll tell you right. that right now. Right. Because it's worth the risk. So I get I get all the side. Everybody's frustrated and like it, it is confusing. But I will say like to the people who are sometimes saying like the messaging is so confusing. Like I follow this stuff pretty closely. I have just had my second vaccine and like I don't feel like I have a clear picture of like what I'm allowed to do. You know, <laughs> and no, it's frustrating as hell. I agree. And I, I'm the same way. And I've been vaccinated. I've been fully vaccinated now for almost two months. But it hasn't changed my behavior a ton. Right. You know? Like, I feel like if the person I'm trying to protect by being, continue to be cautious is me, I'm ready to, like, I got the vaccine, I'm going to wait two weeks, like, I'm ready to go. So that's, like, the piece I really need some clarity on. But well, if right. I'm trying, if it's, like, for the community's benefit, then fine, I'll keep masking, I'll keep whatever. Like, I feel pretty solid. Yeah. No, I, you know what I mean? yeah, I to I agree with you, and that's probably correct. But the problem is, is that the community is pretty large, right? And it's like, because I was thinking almost where, well, yeah, why can't you go into a bar, right? Because if you're in the bar, unmasked and unvaccinated, then you're an idiot. Like that's your problem, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't really feel obligated to protect you when that's the kind of reckless decision making that you're gonna make. Right. But then maybe that guy gets on the you know train and you know who knows is some old person that they infect for whatever reason. Uh, and then I guess that's where you you know it's you you can't contain it to just the one person that you don't care about them because they made bad decisions. Well, even that guy, you know, that guy, Dr. Scott Gottlob, I love all these, yes. these experts that we've gotten to know and love yeah. over this year, you know, and all the faces. And he's my one of my favorites. He's been very good. And he, but he's, you know, he tries to be kind of pragmatic and he'll let you, he'll say, hey, you can do that. Or like, you know, this is an unreasonable precaution, whatever. But he was saying, 
that this summer should be very good. He feels like people will be able to do almost what they want. It'll, be, it'll feel almost like normal. But then by he was like, next Christmas, like, I don't know that you're going to want to have the office Christmas party in the back of the bar with everybody, you know. And, and I'm, I just like, I don't totally get that when we're in this world where if I have been vaccinated, why am I uncomfortable at that event? You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah. Not- and I, I just want to say one last thing, if because we should probably talk about sports. It's the topic of <laughs> let's, let's talk 50 minutes about this stuff. It's endlessly fascinating. It's all anyone. Have you like, do you have any conversations with anyone about anything else other than the vaccine and which vaccine they've gotten and what side effects they have? Would you get a fever? You get right. a little nauseous. <laughs> right. How, how did they make their appointment? How did they find out about it? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Everything. Right. Oh God! Absolutely, I, I just I, I think there is something about the change back where, like, I don't know. I would I would prefer it. I know this isn't going to happen, but I sort of just wish Joe Biden. There was a time where we could expect Joe Biden to come out to a podium somewhere and just be like, "It's over. We've defeated yeah, COVID, yeah. and now it's all normal again. We promise." There's that. That's just not how these things work, obviously. Right. right. But like. Yeah, because even it will feel weird. Like, even though I, again, I'm fully, even when the CDC says so, to go into a bar again, maskless. Yeah. Will be like, oh my God. What are we doing? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess, look, it'll just be when the cases are reduced to a level that everybody, where you're like, that's okay. And the deaths and all of that. I guess that's when, but it's, I'm, I'm surprised still how like pessimistic even the optimists seem about like, the next six months to a year. Yeah. Why would that, why would that be the case if we're getting people vaccinated? Cause I, I yeah, I don't know. Cause it's just, it's, it's just better not be because of these vaccine idiots who won't get it. Is, I mean, I'm at, is that it? I don't know. I mean, I want to be, that's another position that I want to be empathetic towards because I get it. And there's the profit motive, right. And these companies are racing these things out and it's just, you're naturally cynical, but I mean, my God, like after what we've gone through, just get the goddamn shot in I your know. arm. Oh, my God. Come on. Also, there's different levels of empathy for different people based on your reasoning to be suspicious right, right. of a vaccine. But if you're suspicious just because you watch too much Tucker Carlson, that's right. a thousand percent <laughs> your problem. Right. That's true. Right. If, if your skepticism came from like an, a long Alex Berenson thread. Then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well, Brian, uh, we're going to bid farewell to our New York Knicks winning streak. It reached nine games. And I mean, God, am I proud of those guys. <laughs> right, nine glorious games. Uh, I mean, last night, I guess, would have been too much. I feel like it, it was. <laughs> it would have been too much. We all were – everybody was getting just – I was starting to get so delusional about the Knicks. You feel like, are we all losing it with this team? But, you know, at least if they had to end, it ended in one of the most impressive performances by the Knicks in the streak, you know, I mean, they thought they went toe to toe with that team. The game was well played. They could have won. They led for most of the way, you know, and just kind of ran out of gas. Randall struggled a little bit. Um, yeah. What a streak. What a run. You know, 
no one's going to take that away from like any sort of streak, any winning streak that reaches a level of notoriety for an NBA team in a given season is an accomplishment. Like just going through the grind of it. And especially with gosh, what Tibbs must be, <laughs> be like to deal with. And you know, the kind of the, how the season got condensed. That's an achievement. Like that's just mark it down. Like this year, the 2021 Knicks team, nine game win streak. Tied for the longest in the league this year. He <laughs> put up the banner. <laughs> <laughs> Activate the banner, banner meme. Right. It's true. Yeah. But this is finally, though, like an actual achievement that makes the banner meme like not even necessary. Yes. Excuse the uh, uh, siren in the back. That's just <laughs> the police officer who's excited about the Knicks streak. They should be. No, I agree. I mean, I think this season, too, we've right. It's been this like up and down roller coaster where you're is this team any good at all? Are we all kind of being silly, getting all excited about these Knicks? You know, they're two games under 500 and three games under 500. You kept feeling like, oh, are they about to just like drop off the face of the earth? And this streak, you know, took the season to a different level, made it not even just like they're a nice story. It's now, it's a special season. Like came out of absolutely nowhere. Grown to love all the team, the players. It feels sustainable. It feels like, you know, pieces are there to build on. Um, you know, and, and I've teased, you know, we've teased Tibbs all year for the hockey subs and the way he, he, every game, you know, he seemingly subbed everybody at the exact same time, the exact same way. And when Burks went out, I mean, he has totally changed his substitution pattern in a really awesome and interesting way where now he kept, has kept the same starting lineup with Alfred Payton for like the first seven minutes of the first and third quarters, and then has Rosen quickly play the rest of those halves. And then he, you know, kind of staggers RJ and Julius in that period a little bit, and then, you know, brings in Obi. Obi's been the first guy off the bench lately. And Obi's been frisky. I mean, I just think, you know, it's made me so appreciative the way, like, you know, he, he will change when he sees the, you know, that, that, that when it has to be done or, you know, and, and, you know, even then he has changed into a new, like total, you know, like structure, (laughs) 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 like it's still not on the fly or anything, but you know, it's a really clever one and it has really worked well in Burks's absence. Um, and quickly has been playing great, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, Obi, I really have been really impressed with Obi on the boards is like been a, a kind of a revel- revelatory lately. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what else can you say? It's just been awesome. You know, I was actually thinking uh, during the game last night uh, when Obi-, Obi first came in that you had said a number of times throughout the season, like, man, if Obi could just be serviceable. Like, you know what an enormous help that would be? You know how like right. much better we would be if he could just be, like, an NBA player? And that's basically what he's been now throughout yeah. the win streak. And, like, what a shock. We win nine games in a row. Like, right there you go. No, you're right. I mean, because he's try- he's playing this important role, you know? I mean, you just need Randall to be able to get some rest and not have the thing crater. <laughs> um, and he's been a strength, you know? I mean, he's actually been a plus. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and to have quickly kind of, you know, look like, oh, he's hit the rookie wall. He's really rebounded, mm-hmm. which is exciting. You know, I mean, look, they're the four seed right now. They have a really tough closing stretch here. But if they're in any form of that 4-5 matchup with, say, the Hawks, 
I mean, I would really like our chances in that <laughs> series. I don't care if it's home or away. And then, I mean, if we could ever get to an actual Nets-Knicks second-round series. I mean, talk about, like, I know I was positive when this season started. I was trying to talk you into it, like, hey, they could... I meant they could be not, like, a disaster. Right, you know? right. A second-round series against the Nets with, uh, like, real juice, I did not conceive in my wildest dreams. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you just told me we were going to be in the playoffs right. back, like, in August, I'd be like, you're drunk. Right. <laughs> you know, like, that's crazy. But you're right. I think we could win in the first round. That's certainly not off the table. And, yeah, a series against the Nets with juice is, like, so right. true. I can't believe and it. I don't think if, let's say, we fell to the sixth seed and we had to play Milwaukee, I'm not saying we would beat the Bucks. But I'm telling you, the Bucks would not enjoy that series. Like no. they would come, they would leave that series bloodied. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, I don't think anybody wants any piece of us. Honestly. Right, like nobody right. in the first round. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know when you when you say the the series with the Nets that has juice, I do sort of feel like that would be one of the most unique New York on New York kind of series really in the city, right? Because there's, I don't know how to describe it. It doesn't have like this, like it doesn't have the big brother, little brother aspect that the Yankees and Mets would have. Um, but like Brooklyn's the better team, but nobody cares about them. Yeah. It would be so weird. Cause it would be like, if the Mets had the Yankees, like, you know, team, <laughs> right. And the Yankees had the Mets team, but they were me. You know what I mean? It's like suddenly the Knicks are weirdly the are the both the beloved team and the stalwart, but the underdog and the like the scrappy yeah, team. Yeah, they're like, that's like so the Nets are the villains who are like this the team of mercenaries, unlovable, but yet they're the like in the city they're the underdog. You know, I don't know. It would be you're right. It'd be very unusual. Like, yeah. Um, I don't know. It would be and it would be so funny because the whole city would be rooting for the Knicks. <laughs> right. <and> right. <laughs> you would just have this local team, just like seemingly we all should some have some affinity for, but everybody would just be like, "If you ruin this, <laughs> right? <laughs> Nets." <laughs> oh, it's so true, and it's just right. Like everyone would hate them, and then they would. I mean, it just. Nobody's rooting for them. And then when they move on, it's like the whole city despises them. Right. As they then continue on towards like a championship that then would be just like the most loathed championship ever. I know. Ugh, the Nets. God, I, you know, I, I kind of avoided hating them for a good portion of the season, but God, go away. All of you. Oh, I know. They you know, I, I, I said this to you guys last night, the other night, but like, it is so funny when you're good, how quickly you hate every team. <laughs> That's every so true. On every team. Devin Booker never thought about him for one second. Right. Hate him. Hate his face. <laughs> Hated him last night. But Kyle Bridges, him. I love. I love, thought he was great, wanted the Knicks to draft him. Hate him. Never <laughs> want to see him again in my life. <laughs> love his game. Right. Love everything about him. Hope nothing but suffering for him for the rest of his life. 
And it's like so quick. The Nets, oh my God, despise them. The Hawks, oh, hate the Hawks. God, they're the worst. They're the, the worst of all of them. Hate them. Just like everybody, you know, all these teams I hadn't thought about in years. It's so just true. <laughs> blood hatred. So let's look at let's look at our our remaining schedule here. So we're tomorrow night. We're closing our homestand with Chicago. Then we got a big road trip. We're at Houston, at Memphis, at Denver, at Phoenix, at the Clippers, at the Lakers, then home for San Antonio, Charlotte, and Boston. So I think that the the finish is going to be a real flurry here, especially with us having to play Charlotte and Boston in the last two who are, you know, just kind of in the mix uh, with us. So what do you what do you think about that closing schedule? That's, you know, it's tough. The real tough is the meat of it, right? Those four games at West, mm-hmm. like Denver, was it both LA teams and Phoenix? Yep. And Memphis. Um, before we even get there, Memphis. Yeah, but I mean, those four—that's well, really tough. I mean, if you could ever steal one of those, that would help a lot. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. It's a really tough nine games. We do have two a two game lead over Miami for the sixth spot. Um. You know, we're just playing so well. Like, (laughs) even last night, I really thought we played a hell of a game. Um, You know, so I like, you know, I I see us finishing strong. Like, I'd be surprised if we didn't have a winning record in these next 10 games. Um, that's, That's hard to do, but... I don't disagree. Sort of surprise me. I don't disagree with you. What I guess what I'm most worried about isn't even as much the opponents. It's the fact that we have one, two, three, four, five, six games on the road. Yeah. You know, that's a lot. And it's, you know, four in a row Denver, Phoenix, Clippers, Lakers. Like, and and that's after we've already been on the road for two weeks and and for uh, two games, rather. And one of those games is Memphis. That's what really worries me is being on the road. Because I think that's sort of been the universal, at least if like any sort of like gambling Internet that I follow. Like, I think that that's been one of the biggest factors is has been like teams when they're on long road trips, especially dealing with all the COVID protocols. That's like really been affecting people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a brutal stretch. I don't know. Um like they can't you know they can't let off the gas it can be no like oh hey that was a nice run now you know they got to keep playing well um you know i'm sure thibodeau will help in that regard (laughs) um we should get burks back for some of it um although i don't know i guess he must have covid right because it sounds like he's now been out longer than the mandatory quarantine than the 10 days yeah um so that's an issue um, I thought, you know, didn't you think last night was kind of the first game in the stri- in the stretch where you were like, we missed Burks. Oh, like, yeah. We needed someone to score last night. Um, quickly was having a good game, but not that kind of game. And in that fourth quarter, we really needed someone to take a little more pressure off Randall. Yep. We need somebody to hit a shot. Just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so he'll yeah, be big. Yeah. He would have been perfect. Now, the other thing I kind of looked at, if you just look at four through 10 right now in the East. Uh, us and Miami have the fewest head-to-heads with the other people in that mix of four to ten. So I liked it the fact that uh, Atlanta has uh, Atlanta and Indiana have three head-to-heads. 
Boston and Charlotte have four, and Washington has five in terms of other teams that are in the fourth through tenth seed in the East. So right. these guys are going to be knocking each other around a little bit, and and you know we don't necessarily have to be in the mix because somebody's got to lose those games. I mean, I don't think everybody's going to go fifty fifty, right? So right. You know, I think that helps us out. But the pro- uh, what I'm worried about is Miami because Miami has like the easiest remaining schedule. It feels like. Yeah, and is the best team of those those teams. Right. Uh, but but you know, look, Miami. They've been they've been we've been waiting for Miami to jump up and bite everybody all year, and it hasn't happened. You know. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I I mean I agree. It's like you're talking about Jimmy Butler in like super important games. Like seems hard to imagine they're gonna not be there. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, I mean they. You know, look, they've been. This is what they've been for a long time now this season. So I don't know. Uh, between Miami, Miami and Boston, who would you like to see less in a four-five series? Miami for sure. Yeah, me too. I don't, wouldn't really want to see either, but <laughs> yeah, both would be difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know Boston. There's something about that team. Like I just feel like our our personality is so much better. Our like team yeah. personality health is so much stronger than theirs. That like that would be, but that they're talented. You know, like um, yeah. I don't know. We're so interesting. You know, I, the guy I feel so I'm like was so wrong about who, and I was actually on my way to the uh, my appointment. I was listening to our podcast from two weeks ago. Um, where I was still having reservations about Mr. Derek Rose, who in that time has just been incredible. He's been unbelievable. <laughs> and I feel like I owe him like an apology. I want to like <laughs> mail him a letter. <laughs> <laughs> like a card to be like, I'm so sorry. You're, you're <laughs> so good. He's been so good. He is so good. I mean, he's like, you know, I mean, it's now like, He's another guy that like you probably are got to look at re-signing and he, you know, a two or three year deal. Like he's been that good. Every time you need him to make a play, like he's gotten people involved. I mean, he like there's just there's always like five or six minutes in every game where he's the best player. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I th- it's like funny because you know, he had this meteoric rise when he was so young at the start of his career and then the brutal injuries and then, you know, some legal troubles. And, right. And, 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 you know, he came in, you know, pretty bruised up. But I feel like this has been amazing for him and amazing for us. It, I'm sure it helps that he's comfortable with Tibbs. And I'm sure that their relationship is what's going to get the Knicks to make sure that they re-sign him. Like, I think he's probably not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, look, I thought it was like a worrying move when they made it. And I mean, it's the the critical, you know, I mean, of all the things they could have done, like, you know, like if you could, you know, we talked about maybe wanting them to trade for Lonzo Ball at the deadline. Like if you could only do one of those moves, like I would pick the Rose move yeah. like, at this point. That was the move to make. So like he's his impact has been way. I mean, I thought he would move them like make them slightly better, but be a bummer was kind of my, what my, yeah. my thought was. And he's made them a ton better and not been a bummer. So that's... Um, yeah, like, to be fair, too, I didn't think that was a crazy point of view. Like, I think that that's probably what the floor of this experiment would have been. Yeah. You know? Um, but 
We didn't end up on the floor, thank God. No, we, we got the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's happening? Even his shooting has been really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, and he picks his spots with the three-pointer, but he yep. can hit it, so he's not like Alfred where it's just a black hole. Yeah. You can't totally leave him alone. Um, he's been awesome. And so you you uh, you said this over text. I don't think you said it on the show last week, but uh, I think, you know, you really hit it where – you you and, and Matt, I could tell, have finally hit some acceptance with Elfried, which I I, I love because I've been in acceptance of him the whole year. And I think that's the key point here. I have not been in love with Peyton. Right. I've just been in acceptance of him. But you really nailed what his role is that's brought <laughs> you to accept him. And it's a critical role. Right. He, he eats up time so that Derrick Rose can finish halves and games. Yeah. Because he can't carry the minutes load, and that's fine. Right, and I think also when he puts Rose in, he he doesn't want to take him out. Right, like, I think that's another thing that they don't want to do is is yo yo him in and out of the game. So I think they like that when Rose gets in there, he's he goes. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a health thing or just how they like it, but I, it probably it right it's probably like they like him. He gets warmed up and then he goes. Yeah, it's and probably that's both. It. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I will smart. say, Alfred played well. Um, last night, actually, yeah. um, against the Suns. <laughs> he played maybe his worst game of the year over the weekend um, against the Raptors. Toronto, yeah. I thought he was horrible. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and he still stinks. And I do kind of feel like when Burks gets back, like I don't know that we need to see Alfred Payton anymore, but I do appreciate his grit. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm worried about him. Like, you can tell, like, it's getting to him a little bit. Like he now is like, that's my role. And it's a, it's a weird role to have. I'm the starter. <laughs> right. But I don't play any important minutes of the game. <laughs> right. Well, it's a little bit like when in high school, as I was one, I was on the Darien basketball team and I would get sent out for the captain's instructions. <laughs> I was technically a captain, I suppose, in the eyes of the referees, but I was by no means the captain of our basketball of our <laughs> high school's basketball right. team. Right. Peyton's role would be like being the starting quarterback of your team, but they take you out when they throw. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You do all the handoffs and, you know, that. And then every time they want to throw a pass, another guy comes yeah. in. <laughs> it's would a be hell. That would be my nightmare. That would be the worst thing in the world to be. Yeah. And this is his role. And still, like, 90% of the fan base hates him and resents him right. for starting. Yeah, yeah. That's tough. I guess where I've hit the acceptance is, like, the way – I just think, you know, I, I'm more impressed. I'm more appreciative of how Tibbs has played it. And, and now we're seeing the best of quickly at the end of the year. And like, you know, I could still quibble with like all that stuff. But like, you know, it's all coming together yeah. in this really great way. Um, and I have no doubt come playoff time, he's going to use these guys maybe even a little differently. Like, you know, if quickly he's going to get quickly minutes that need to happen, you know, like I'm not worried about it. Um you know, look, everything he's done has worked. Every guy has improved and gotten better. Reggie Bullock, man. I was like, hey, like two months ago, I was like, they should just play Knox. I mean, Reggie Bullock, I would lay down my life for Reggie Bullock. I love Reggie Bullock. <laughs> I would take a bullet for Reggie Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> he is like my favorite guy. Reggie Bullock is of all the, and they have a lot of big decisions to make at the end of the season. 
Noel, Derrick Rose, Burks, whatever. Bullock is a must-have. Reggie Bullock is a Nick. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yes. Is a Nick. He is getting re-signed. If you have to overpay him, you got to overpay him. Like, right. he's not going anywhere. I, I totally agree. <laughs> oh, man. He is like the – yeah, right. He is not just a 3 and D guy. He is our 3 and D guy. Oh, he is so good. He's such a good defensive player. He's hit so many big shots. Yeah. He's just – I like the hair. I like everything about him. He's big. Right. He's strong. Like, I would take a punch for him. I would – I <laughs> – I totally agree. Can we do a little segment called Hopefully Scott Doesn't Get Himself Into Trouble by Asking This Question Because He Has Really Good Intentions, But He's Not Totally Sure? <laughs> what, what is the thing on the back of Reggie Bullock's head? I don't know. Is I don't that, know what that. I'm not crazy. That's a, so, there's something like, right? That's something like, to notice. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's just, I thought it was part of the whole construction of. <laughs> But is it a patch of hair, or is I it a wound so. of some sort? Oh, I I don't know. I, I'll have to look at it next time. I know what you're talking about, but like I haven't really thought like what is that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's why the segment is titled uh, as it is. <laughs> right. I thought it was like something that's keeping the whole look in place. But, I, but I it's know. it's floating. It's independent. It's just a circle. Like there's there's a space between it right. and, and the hair. I, I don't, don't know. I don't think it's a. It's like a, like a bun or anything. I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll give it a good look. We'll come back to this segment next week. <laughs> I just <laughs> want to be clear. If it's something that I shouldn't be laughing at, I apologize deeply. Right. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even making fun of it. I've no. just been noticing it all year, and at first I didn't care to ask because I didn't care about Reggie Bullock, and now I care about him deeply. And I just want to know him better. Right. I, I I wonder if you Google what is that thing or what like Reggie Bullock. Well, you have to start for like how many lines down. You know what I'm talking right. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How before you got there? Yeah. Right. I don't know. Anyway. Okay. I'm obviously I'm uncomfortable because I'm worried about it. I don't think it's like a dangerous topic. I wouldn't worry about that. Okay. All right. That's good. Uh, I'm just, I've been so happy about the Knicks. I'm realizing I haven't done any ad reads today. Uh, you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent listener supported radio. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. As it has been for so many, 2020 was a difficult year for us financially, and every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue to work in our community. Please help by pledging whatever you can. RFB is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. All right, Brian, any closing Nick's thoughts? No, other than all is well and beautiful. Yes. And we simply march on. On we march. On we march, right. Out west we go. Now, the Giants, Brian. <laughs> the draft is Thursday night. Thursday night. Yeah. And the Giants hold the 11th pick, not the 13th pick, as the Chargers tried what? to trick us into thinking. <laughs> what happened there? I don't know. I mean, maybe that, that's gonna, we're going to find out that happened in two days, but 
right. like they posted it and deleted it that the Giants had traded them the 11th pick for the 13th and like a third rounder. And then it was quickly taken down. Yeah. And somebody maybe lost their job or had a stern talking to. I don't know. <laughs> right. Uh, well, you know, uh, regardless, we hold the 11th pick in the draft. So uh, Peter King this week reported while Peter King predicted that they would take Micah Parsons, who, according to him, is the player that Dave Gettleman likes the most. Um, <laughs> apparently, Joe Judge is a Devonta Smith fan. And uh, the organization likes J.C. Horn, a cornerback. So my question is, <laughs> are Dave Gettleman, the GM, and Joe Judge, the head coach, not a part of the organization? Right, or not the organization. Like, right. they are the organization. Right. I don't who has understand. more say than those two guys? I don't Who's the organization? <laughs> I don't know. Like, what do you think that is? Scouts? Yeah, like, the, the Maras? I have no idea. Right. I just I can't even conceive of a world where John Mara like really likes JC Horn. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and that Joe Judge and Gettleman are like, I like the Smith and Parsons, and he's like Horn. JC Horn. <laughs> That's our guy. <laughs> he's that good. He's, we need a corner. I I know we spent a lot on corner, but he, I haven't seen a corner like that. I don't know. Right. Was he a big Joe Horn fan back in the day? And I, just, I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. And I don't understand. Honestly, I don't understand why we're, we're hearing a cornerback's name. Why do we need a corner? I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, it's a, that's kind of become, like, a premium position now, like, corner. You know, like, it's like can never have enough corners i think they all want corners i would agree i i understand what you're saying uh and i would agree with you can never have enough corners but i would say except when you have no rushers or maybe especially when you have no rushers maybe that's the thinking we have no rushers we have no path to a rusher so we have to load up the secondary well, i mean you know that could be like you make the strength secondary a real strength and then suddenly yeah. a guy like uh Lorenzo Carter is a decent pass rusher right. because you have right. such a great secondary. Um, I mean, that that's kind of what happened last year. I mean, you know, we played so well with those three safeties and uh, Bradbury on the, you know, it, it got guys productive up front, you know. I don't think it's crazy. I would be like, I would go, hmm, if the Giants drafted a corner, I'd be like, oh, like I wouldn't, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't come, I wouldn't kill them if, if they loved one. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I, I, you know, here's the funny thing is like this is this is a draft that doesn't really have a premier edge guy. And what do you want? Scotty, she's the he's the GM of the Giants. Who are you picking? I guess Waddle. Yeah. Yeah. I think Waddle. over Smith. Let's say if Smith's available, too. I think so. I mean, I, I have a hard time. One hundred and six. I weigh one hundred and sixty six pounds. <laughs> like that's how much I weigh. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a light for a professional football player. I yeah, mean, I yeah. guarantee touching the two of us at the same would be a very different hand feel on on your hands. You right. Know? Like I don't think we're the same kind of one hundred sixty five pounds, right. but it's still like that's tiny. Yeah. 
you know, I too, I think people can get too hung up on measurables and times and hand head size. Right. But he'd whatever. be, I mean, he'd be the only guy ever at that size, right? Yeah. That's... Isn't he like such an outlier for weight that it's like has to be? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's crazy. That's yeah, ridiculous yeah. weight. So that does scare me a little bit. But I, you know, I I feel like I, I'm not that into this draft because I don't really, I'm not excited about anybody. Yeah. You know, I just don't like. I don't want to draft an edge rusher because we need an edge rusher. I agree. I, I want. I want to draft an edge rusher that we love and we think we need to have on our team. And it doesn't sound like there's really any like Parsons. There seems like enough red flags there that I don't go like. You know, it's the 11th pick. I want a really good player. Um, there doesn't seem to be the guy, the, the matchup of value, whatever, all that stuff with an edge rusher. So I kind of agree with you. I, I st- st- still would like an offense. Like, I wouldn't even be mad if they took, like, a guard. And I don't know what the guard, you know, again, I haven't looked at the draft. I don't study that stuff. But, like, I don't know if there's one even available that would you wouldn't get you laughed out of the room. But, like, well. I just want an offense. I just think they need – that's the position to me that, like, get good there, and then everything else is easier. Everything makes sense. Yeah, you're right. Well, I, you know, it's funny because I was thinking – because I was bringing that up. There's no premier edge guy, and, you know, you don't really take an inside linebacker this high typically, right? So what does that leave? Well, so it just feels weird that we would draft – Someone from the secondary because, you know, we have like three. That was probably the best unit on the team last year was our secondary. It seems weird to take a receiver because we just spent a ton of money there. It seems weird to take an offensive lineman because we just picked one fourth overall and in the third round last year. Right. And we're not going to take a quarterback. So it just like it feels like there's really two spots where we kind of need somebody, but it doesn't really make sense to draft either one of those positions at 11 in this draft. And so it just leaves us picking in a place that we've already had to theoretically fortify in other ways in the off seasons. And I don't know if that's coincidence or terrible planning or, you know, what have you. Um, but that's why it just feels weird. Like everything like, Oh, we're getting another receiver. We just signed Kenny Galladay. Oh, we're getting yeah. a corner. That's you know, like that's just why it feels weird that all the guys getting tossed around are in a weird spot. But we do have Rashawn Slater, who was um, the left tackle for Northwestern last year, and people have talked about how he's probably more suited to guard in the NFL anyway. Okay. Um, and that that's the offensive line uh, wild card potential that that you could get what you want there. Right. I heard somebody saying like that that transition isn't that easy, like tackle the guards. Maybe you wouldn't want to do that. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know that well enough, but I wouldn't hate that pick either. Like I, if they went offensive line, I wouldn't hate. It. You know, I mean, I guess from my perspective, I wouldn't hate any of those moves. I wouldn't hate. I would be excited if they got Waddle. I would be excited if they got Devontae Smith. I wouldn't hate Micah Parsons. Um, Horn, I would be like, nah. but, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, so, also. Sertan. Uh, I like the menu. I like the menu of options. And, uh, you know, they all sound tasty. And <laughs> That's true. I guess you can't go wrong there. Like, you're right. I like everybody. I like, yeah. yeah. Devonta Smith's weight worries me. If they draft him, I will love him immediately. Yeah, that like, sounds that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. He's an exciting player. He won the Heisman. You know, it'll be fun to like him. Yeah. Uh, 
And I guess same thing, like having a badass secondary would be awesome. Getting that offensive lineman would be fine. Because I think you're right. Like, that's where we do actually need somebody the most. And, you offensive know, line. Yeah. And yeah. Gettleman is pulling the trigger. You know, he's hog mollies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not this whole thing, though. That's what drives me crazy about him, the hog mollies. And the, they're still, you know, he hasn't, like, done a very good job on that front at all. I guess Solder's coming back, too, right? Yeah. I don't know what that means. Like, if he's any good at all, like, can he play right tackle? Is that, can he play guard? Like, well, similar to what you were saying, right? Like the transition from guard to tackle, this transition from left to right also is like, you know, I mean, think about transitioning anything in your body from left to right. Like that's yeah. hard, that's hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, yeah, I think, I feel like <laughs> we have, it's another position where we put a lot of resources into, but we stink. <laughs> right of all the things that we are not good at though that is the one that really i really hate where we are going into the season at the offensive line where we lost our literal best player at the on the line and all the options don't none of them sound that great you know hernandez hasn't really worked out we got lemieux who was not overly impressive you know gates i think is solid i think andrew thomas will be better but he's not dominant yeah um Pert, you know, they used him a little bit, but he wasn't like he, you know, uh, dazzled anybody, right? So, and you've got, you're bringing Saquon back. I mean, it's just like, can't we just get, for the idea of Saquon, right? Like, his value would just grow exponentially if we could block anybody. Yeah. So, I don't know. Pert has, like, Noxism, or (laughs) Noxvid. Where it's like him not playing actually makes him in in people's minds a better player, right? Or they're just but they're just like penciling him in, like, well, we drafted Pert, so he's you know, like, right? What does it make him good? Right. <laughs> well, but he's tall, so right, and yeah. he's big, and he's you know, he's a talented guy. Okay, but he's has he played well yet? No, no, he hasn't done that. Right, but uh, <laughs> he could. Right, we hope. He might. Yeah, maybe he will. Maybe he won't. <laughs> now, here's the case for Gettleman finally trading back. Because it would make no sense to do that now. Right. <laughs> like, you know, I think Ralph Facchiano tweeted – or no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Jordan Renan, he tweeted that, um, like, there's really only 20 actual first-rounders or 20 guys that a lot of scouts have graded as first-rounders. So trading back in this draft just, like, really makes no sense. Um, from 11 and but uh, he was also saying that he thinks that most of the the big edge guys for this draft are going to go in the 15 to 30 range so he could see Gettleman trading back to 15 to take the edge guy would make more sense to do it at 15 and that sounds like precisely the kind of really irritating thing (laughs) we would do like we could get a really good player at 11 or Gettleman could finally trade back and get a Sub mediocre edge rusher at fifteen plus a fifth round pick. <laughs> Let's say the Giants are good this year. Okay. Would you change your view of Dave Gettleman? Would it seem an accident? Is there a path for him? <laughs> Is there a path, friends? A good question. It's a good question. I don't think so. I mean, he's been so bad. I, I don't right. like 
I do think one of the things that drives me the craziest, and I feel like this is a point that that you and I sort of struggle with, is I think if if anything's going to save Gettleman, it's going to be Judge. Right. You know, Judge can make them good and then make Gettleman look good on the way out. This is part of why I actually do think they're just going to draft a receiver because I think that the the organization for the Giants, the team vision, the team goal is to give Jason Garrett a good offense. That's the goal of the organization, whoever that is. Right. In that Peter King story, I think their primary goal is to give Jason Garrett a good season. So, and then I think the secondary priority is to give Gettleman a proper send-off and right. Judge is the guy who has to do that. Has but to deliver on that. Just look at since we've gotten Gettleman, we have traded away Odell Beckham. We uh drafted Saquon second overall. You know, Daniel Jones, again, jury's still out. Like, and worst possible outcome of the season, by the way. If you go back to the very first episode that we recorded of this show, the worst outcome from the Giants season would be at the end of the season, I still don't know what I have with Daniel Jones. And that's yeah, precisely yeah. where yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the Leonard Williams trade where, again, even though I like Leonard Williams, the trade itself was a disaster. And yeah. – just no, he's not a good GM. He doesn't make good moves. He I, he doesn't have seemingly a clear vision for what the team is supposed to be, for what our identity is supposed to be. His stated priority of the offensive line is still an incomplete product as of now. Just I just think that if you check off the list, like he just hasn't done anything well. I agree with you. I I just where, where I am like the thing I'm trying to square with is. I agree with you. I think he's done a really bad job as the Giants GM. I would fire him. <laughs> and I would get a different GM. And yet I also am optim I'm pretty optimistic about the Giants this year. Yeah, I also agree and with that. And I think he I do think he's done a better job since since the initial terrible job that he did. So he came in, right, and he, and he got sold or it was a disaster. Yep. He spent money on um, uh, Jonathan Stewart. Was that it? Or, uh, who was the yes. running back? Yeah, yes. Stewart. You know, was a disaster. You know, I, I thought the Odell trade, you know, you can look at it and say, okay, we got Peppers and Dexter Lawrence and okay, whatever. You know, he's, he also signed Odell to a massive contract, traded him at like a $20 million loss. You know, we can talk about the cap and how, like, you can get out of it whenever you want. But at the same time, like, those things add up. And there's a reason why we had to get rid of Kevin Zeitler. And, like, we right. didn't have money for, for critical things we needed. So he's done a really poor job in that regard. On the other hand, like, I do think he's done a better job since since they did pivot to this kind of full-on rebuild I don't hate the Saquon pick, even though I totally agree with people that, it, you know, it's too high for running back, whatever. I, I still think there's potential for that to be a move we look back on and, and appreciate. And I do like the team they've assembled for this year. And again, it does come down to Daniel Jones. Like, you know, how much do you, I, you know, I still see the talent there. Like I, I, at the same token, I've also said like, if I was running this draft, I'm, I'd be really tempted if, if Justin Fields dra dropped to like 11 or even nine or 10, like, or eight going to do that. But I don't know. I guess where I'm, it's like, I totally agree with you. He's awful and he's not good. And yet, you know, I'm like, 
he's moved. He has pushed the Giants. As, and I think the Giants organization is totally flawed. And the Garrett is like this perfect avatar for that or symbol of that. And yet there are some things about the Giants organization that allowed them to have this run that they had previously with Eli. And you know what I mean? So they have like some things in place that they seemingly know how to do um, that have arrived, pushed us to this moment of like where it's been bad and he's bad. And yet, I don't know. I'm like, you know, if we, if you tell me we draft Jalen Waddle. And whoever the hell we get in the second and third round, I'm when we Giants open camp, I am excited to watch them play, and I feel pretty good about where they are. I agree, I I do, and I yeah, I just I trashed I just sat here and trashed Gettleman also, but I, I hate Jason Garrett, but I am excited. I mean, I do feel like we'll have the most offensive weaponry that we've had since when, like. I don't know. Yeah. The, the, it's just weird. It's like weird to bo- have both those things be sort of true. Um, yeah. Like I wish they got rid of him and I think a smarter GM could come in and do a better job. And yet also like, I do think the last two years, I guess, or two seasons, like hasn't been horrible. Although, you know, look, I say that it could, I mean, it could implode. Like <laughs> the, the Dave Gettleman era could like, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. We, and this is the year. Like, it, it, yeah, this is this it. This is the year where we decided this guy is the biggest moron that ever lived, or right. like, or people were too harsh on him. And he, and, and, and really, it's just the way he talks. And he kind of is like, you know, he doesn't play, but he's not a media guy. Like, he doesn't really talk to speak the language of kind of modern football or whatever. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, if we go out there, Daniel Jones stinks, Saquon's hurt. Andrew Thomas Andrew stinks. Thomas is not good. Yeah. We don't have a pass rusher. <laughs> right. You know, Galladay is overpaid and, and is not a, not a difference maker. And the Giants, I mean, you could be talking like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's also very true. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a big year for, the, for Dave Gettleman's legacy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. But So let's say best case scenario plays out. <clears throat> I actually think the fairest way to think about Gettleman is kind of how you felt about Tibbs, say, circa, like, the first week of March. Like, okay, yeah, you're not doing everything. There are things that you're doing well. Like, I think in, in a similar way, not, not, as, not even nearly as good as Tibbs at your peak frustration with him. But, like, yes, I can acknowledge that certain things have gone well or you clearly have expertise in certain areas, but we are nowhere close to maximizing the potential of – what we could have done with all the resources and assets you had when you first came into this position. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's just like, uh, I don't know. I, I, it's just weird. Cause then, and then, you know, if it does implode, I'm going to be like, he's, he's been awful. It's a disaster. He's a horrible person, <laughs> but I'm looking at the team he's assembled and like, I, I'm objectively thinking it's not so bad. Um, but I guess I'm saying that with the caveat that there are some huge question marks and it does feel a little bit like walking on a high wire. Yeah. Um, and I guess it doesn't excuse all the things he's done wrong. And the fact that, you know, 
he's for even the good that he's done it's 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 in a precarious fashion it's not like he's nailed it that's you know? true <laughs> assuming things do go well this year do do you credit gettleman for judge for bringing in judge probably right or i give him some of it um i gotta imagine he was part of it look i'll i'll, I'll just say like if they're good this year i'll be like you know what he was he was all right. And I'll just feel a little, if they are, let's say it does implode, I'll feel a little bad killing him the way that I will then do because I, in the moment, have not, you know, am not like, this is all going to be bad. Um, like, I see the potential here. Yeah. Um, so I'll feel guilty about how much I'll turn on him, but I will do it because... <laughs> And he'll deserve it. Look, I mean, like the, the stuff doesn't work out. That's the way. That's the nature of the game. Right. Uh, but I don't know. It's like a weird feeling. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't even articulate it well. It's like well, here's weird the difference. Where... Here's the difference, though, is that you are at least you have some humility with how you're expressing this opinion. We're like, I see how it could go well, but there's a big caveat. Like, and, right. and look, an NFL GM obviously can't sit up in front of the press and, and be like, well, you know, it's, there's a chance this team is awful. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that. He's like, I mean, if Daniel Jones stinks, I'm going to look like the biggest idiot that ever lived. And he might. I mean, I'll be honest. He was terrible last year, right? <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> That full bloom love quote. I mean, it'll live right. in such infamy if Daniel Jones is terrible. It's terrible, but that's I the thing. professional quarterback. That's the opposite. See, like, right? You can't do what we just joked about, but you also don't have to be in full bloom love either. Right, right. You don't have to do that game. That he, yeah, I know it is. It's all this thing that he knows best, and yeah, he's tweaking everybody and trolling everybody all the time, and like, I don't know. I hope he's right. It'd be nice. It'd be better if he's if we don't aren't terrible. Yeah, no. <laughs> God, the fall <laughs> sucks when we're terrible. Oh, it is so painful. It's so unbearable. I can't ever go back to to winners without the Knicks either. Now that's we can't ever be bad again. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't go back to that. I mean, this the Giants implode this year. Like, I do feel like we need to like storm the stadium. Yes. You know? Like I, like it needs to be just like severe consequences, <laughs> like a rally outside their offices. I don't know. Like, right. You know what I mean? I mean, this will be the, the real nadir. You will have reached 10 years since post Super Bowl, eight years, eight, nine years of being truly bad. Like, yeah, it'll be so bad. It'll, it'll be, be so, so bad. bad. And you with that, with, with that call to action, we're going to end the radio show. So, so thank you for listening. Prepare yourselves. Stand, Prepare yourself. stand back and stand by. <laughs>